0: Welcome to Daily Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Each day we walk through the vital principles of the abundant life. Our Lord can do above and beyond all we ask or think. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. All battles are fought over the future, not your past or your present circumstances. Ron Carpenter said that, and I believe it. Again, let me repeat, all battles are fought over the future, not your past or present circumstances. You see, the enemy does not oppose who you are. He opposes who you are becoming. That's why your enemy magnifies your past or your present, because he wants you to forget about your future. We have looked at the dreamer this week named Joseph. He experienced multiple low points. He teaches us how to face our trials with faith. Joseph experienced most of his low points, most of his greatest trials and adversity in his young years. But we forget Joseph lived to 110 years of age. The opposition he faced as a young man was to derail him from what his future held. It was to stop the dream from being fulfilled in his life. So Joseph is sent to the dream graveyard. He is sent to Egypt. Have you ever been there? I'm not talking about the land of pyramids or the Sphinx. I'm talking about the dream graveyard where the enemy wants everything, every hope, every dream in your life to perish. It's where dreams go to die. It's where hopes are buried. It's where disillusionment and cynicism are born, where possibilities are no more. Egypt was known for its affliction. Little did Joseph know that by entering into Egypt unwillingly, his people would be tethered there for 400 years until an affliction became so great that God staged an exodus. Affliction. That's a place that God's people know very, very well. God speaks through Isaiah to his people. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. There's no hotter flame, in my opinion, than that of waiting on the Lord, not knowing how he's working, what he will do, but knowing he's your only source of strength. He is your only exodus. Moses had to suffer this affliction so long. He had to wait on God 40 years on the backside of a desert. By the time God showed up, Moses was just a shell of the man he once was. Gone is the brass young prince of Egyptian understanding. Gone is that brave young deliverer who stood up for his people. Now he can hardly speak. He stutters. He's backwards. He's lived in the wilderness for 40 years, 40 years of affliction. But soon, Moses, you're going to see a parting of the Red Sea. You're going to see water out of a rock. You're going to see manna falling to the ground every day. Hey, Moses, you're going to see God face to face. It's through the furnace of affliction that you're going to see God. What about David, this man after God's own heart? His afflictions were many. He could have focused on them. He could have recounted them, lived, ate, breathed, and slept the offenses, both real and perceived against him. He could have spent a lot of time plotting revenge, but David said, I choose to finish the sentence. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. I'm going to finish this sentence this way, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. I like what David once said in one of the lowest moments of his life. He said this, this I know, God is for me. And that's what I feel impressed to say. In facing our trials with faith this week and daily devotion, I just feel like saying God is for me. Why does affliction come? Sometimes God uses affliction to refocus our attention. The psalmist once said, unless your law had been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. Other lesser things can become our delight, what we focus on. But when affliction comes, those things will not satisfy. When affliction arrives, then our delight is revealed. The presence of God, the word of God, the people of God. Sometimes God uses affliction to bring us back to obedience. In the same 119th Psalm, the singer says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. Sometimes, God uses affliction to open us up to a greater revelation and understanding of him. Let me show you how it works. Affliction produces desperation. Some channel that desperation into a survival mode. Others channel it into a lashing out at everyone and everything. Others collapse into a state of despair and despondency. God wants us to channel desperation back to him. Jesus modeled this. Luke said, being in agony, Jesus prayed the more earnestly. So when we're being attacked, pray more earnestly. When we're going through a valley, worship like never before. You may be going through some rough times. Don't idle away your time. Get your face into the book, find an altar, share your testimony, get involved with what God's doing like never before. Sometimes God uses affliction to catapult us into another dimension in him. The great kindness shown Samson was not the gift of being raised by godly parents, was not the divine calling and anointing in his life. It was not the power of the spirit that flowed through him. No, the greatest gift and kindness shown to Samson was when the enemy took away his vision. It wasn't until he lost his sight that he truly began to see. That trauma, that affliction led him to see what God had wanted him to see all along. This I can say, God is for me. Sometimes God uses affliction to reveal his love in us, to show us that his grace is sufficient. At other times, God uses affliction to remove a spirit of judgmentalism. There's nothing like being humbled to cause us to be more merciful. At other times, God uses affliction to give us a greater compassion for others. We hurt, and now we hurt for those who are hurting. At times, God will use affliction to encourage others, that we share with others the same comfort we derived When we went through something similar. And then finally, God uses affliction to bring us to a place of greater reliance and dependence upon Him. David said in Psalm 109, It was good for me to know affliction. In the 34th Psalm, David also said, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers Him out of them all. So, this one thing I know, God is for me. We have Joseph. He's been lied on. He's been left in a dungeon. Then an old word in his life appears again. And that word is dream. A butler dreamed. A baker dreamed. Pharaoh dreamed. Once, twice, three times. It's as if God is saying, wake up, Joseph. It's time to awaken the dream. I know that affliction can be a dream graveyard. Crisis can crush your aspirations and choke your life from you. But never forget, Jesus specializes in resurrections. He brings dreams back to life. Do you remember the story of Johnny Appleseed, how he made his way across America sowing apple seeds? God is speaking to each of us today to sow some dream seed and some hope seed, to give a voice that will speak to the visions and longings that are often discarded in the low places and in the trials. There's a difference between being planted and being buried. A farmer sows seed in full anticipation that he will see it again shortly. People turn from graveyards and cemeteries with the full knowledge that it will be a long time before they see their loved one again, only when they are resurrected. But before your dream can come back to life, your faith must arise. You must call those things that are not as though they are. You must say, dream, live again. Hope, I'm calling you alive in my life. How do you do that? Say these words. This I know. God is for me. God is is the resurrector of dreams and visions. Abraham in a night vision saw the captivity and then the deliverance of Israel, the binding and the loosing of the hopes and dreams of all mankind. You may have experienced the dismantling of all you hold dear, but hold on, a resurrection is coming. Let me give you a few examples. Moses desired to see the promised land. Seems that it wouldn't happen. Yes, he crawled up to the slopes of Mount Nebo and saw it at a distance, but he perished outside of the promised land. But wait a minute. 700 years later, Peter, James, and John rub their sleepy eyes in the thin atmosphere of the Mount of Transfiguration, and there they see the impossible, Elijah and Moses, seated with Jesus. We say it's too late, but I want to remind you that God not only holds the world in his hands, he's omnipresent at all times and all places. That means he holds time in his hand. We can call Christ alive into our predicament. This I can say, God is for me. Two significant men ran away from the passion of Jesus Christ with great regrets. Judas and Simon Peter. The first ended his life. The second repented. Maybe you're in the midst of a low point, even of your own making. You're in one of those moments of satanic sifting that the Lord warned Peter about. That Satan desires to sift you as wheat. But I hear the voice of Jesus praying over you right now that your faith fails not that on the other side of this affliction, the dream will live and the keys to the kingdom will be used and that you will come forth as the person he means for you to be. This I can't say, God is for me. Let me also mention John Mark. A young man, when he graces the pages of scripture, he escorted Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary journey, but apparently got homesick or frightened and went home. Paul refused to take him on the second journey. It looked like his future was over until late in Paul's life. We read, bring Mark with you. He's profitable to me for the ministry. Maybe that's where you find yourself. You started with high hopes and dreams, but you've been to the dream graveyard. Affliction has gripped your soul. Let me speak to that dream you once had and say, it's always too soon to quit. It's never too late to get up and, with God's help, try again. So we call those dreams alive in our life again. This, I can say, God is for me. Something must have stirred within Joseph when he looked into the troubled eyes of a butler and baker in prison. An alarm clock must have sounded in heaven and said, now, now. Now is your moment of elevation. The affliction will be put under your feet. And Joseph was elevated to prime minister of Egypt. And Pharaoh renamed Joseph zaphnath Panea, God still speaks. God still lives. This I can say. This I can say. God is for me. So Daily Devotion family, if God is for us, who can be against us? Thank you for sharing in daily devotion with Ken Gurley. We pray this ministry has been a source of encouragement and strength to you. Please be mindful that your financial support enables us to meet with you each day. To give a donation or connect with us, visit our website at kengurley.com. There you will also find the latest books, podcasts, and resources. Blessed, 90 Days to Change Your World is Pastor Gurley's latest book. You can get your copy of this life-changing book at kengurley.com. May God's favor rest on you in every way until we meet again.